Morning, church family. We are in church today. I'll tell you, the Spirit of God, if you have not felt Him yet today, there is something wrong. Because God is at work right here, right now. And if not another word is spoken by anybody, we could close service right now and God spoke to us today. He used Michelle Fleming a little bit ago. Just now, Melissa, you did a great job, Melissa. You spoke God's word. And then just through the music we just heard, and the music of worship, of us lifting our hearts to God today. What a beautiful thing to know that we are in the presence of God. As the body of Christ, we make up the body of Christ. This is the church. Each person in here today is the church. And we had church today. And I thank God that he uses each one of us to work the way he does because I'm, I'm moved. God is good and he takes care of us every step of the way, every breath. He has shown his love to us today. I mean, we have expressed our love to him and he's expressed it right back to us through the individuals who have already participated in this service today. Let us pray. Father, we come to you today and we just lift our hearts in praise to you right now. We just thank you, God, that you have ministered to us the way you have. For, Father, we know that today is a day we lift our hearts of praise to you. We lift our hearts up to you and we say thank you for all the things that you've done for us. And we know this is a time that you equip us for the things we have ahead this week, Lord. But, Lord, certainly you have worked in our hearts today and we're just so grateful for that. And, Father, as the service moves forward and your word is spoken, Lord, we just ask that what you want to be taught today is taught and the things that you want us to know today are known and father that you just continue to work in our hearts continue to change us day by day and continue lord to take care of our daily needs and and father we're so grateful we can be in your presence and so grateful that we are part of who you are we love you we appreciate you you are our god and we're so thankful and we ask lord all of these things in your gracious Holy and righteous name. Amen. Amen. God is sure taking good care of me and my family over the last many years that we've been together. And, and I know that God has taken care of me even when I didn't have a relationship with him, when I didn't know him. He still sustained me. He still taught me. He still guided me and kept me safe in this world. God works out for the good of those who are in him and for those who love him. And if we want to fully and truly engage in spiritual life, we cannot think that all that matters in our atonement is that Jesus took our punishment from us. And that he took our sins and bore them. If that's all we think that Christ did for us, we have a very limited view on what Christ did. Yes, he did die for us. There's no question about that. He did take away our sins. But our salvation, there's so much more to what our salvation is than that. 
And the problem with this limited view is that once salvation is taken care of and heaven is guaranteed after death, that's the end of it. It's period. There's nothing left. If that's all we think is that God saved me from my sins, what is there left? If that's all I believe. And I think that I can just continue on with my life the way it was. If that's it, it is done for us. It is all over and complete. And if that's the case, now what do we do? What do we do with the rest of our lives if that's all there is to salvation, is that Christ paid for our sins, and that's it? What about discipleship? And more specifically, disciple-making. See, so many times we focus on being saved and seeing someone saved and think that's the end of it. They're saved. There's nothing more to do. Well, I think in a big way, the church in America today is broken because of that viewpoint. When someone is saved, they're as a newborn child. My daughter, Carolee, is about to give birth to a little baby girl. It's going to be a couple months from now. And I just look at a picture of once the baby is born and Carolee saying, well, my part's done, and just walking away. As a mother, she's completed her deed for that newborn child. That child can fend for her themselves now, right? Is that what we do with newborn Christians? Once I am saved, I need the church. I need the body of Christ. You're further along in your journey with Christ than I am. You know more about who God is than I do. It is your job to train me as the new believer, isn't it? And how many times have we seen somebody become saved and then a few weeks later they're no longer part of the church? They're no longer coming to church. We don't know if that salvation was a genuine salvation or not, do we? I mean, the actions seem certainly that they're not. But did we fail as a church when we are not reaching out to those who, don't, who just became Christians? and don't lead them in the paths of righteousness. We know God. We know His love. But we have to, as the body of Christ, take under the wings of those who are just born. As a newborn baby, we don't just leave them to fend for themselves. A new Christian is on the milk of Christianity and needs to be fed that milk continually reminded of what their salvation is, what it means. You see, that's just one piece of disciple making. That's one piece of being a Christian who is saved. We are called into the work of God when we become Christians. But you see, with the reductionist view of salvation, once we're saved, we can just 
be done with things and everything's over with. We can just go on about our merry way. Discipleship and disciple making is not even required. With this limited view of being saved, it just means my sins are forgiven. And please don't misunderstand me. Christ did die for our sins. He did pay for our sins. And salvation does give us freedom from our sin. We have been forgiven. We have been washed by the blood of Christ. I don't want you to think that I'm diminishing what Christ has done for us. What I'm saying is that once that happens, there's more to be done. It's just the beginning. It's not the end. Our journey has just started. But remember that the basic act of salvation from God's point of view is the impartation of life. It is regeneration. Do you realize that when you are saved, the moment of salvation, you are no longer who you were. Your old self completely died away and no longer exists. Your old self is gone. Your old self cannot be reborn. You are now born into the family of God. You are, are a new creation. Not a new, not something better, not a better version of your old self, but a new creation. Changed forever into the likeness of God. Let's take a moment and go to Colossians chapter 3. And we must understand that salvation and the resurrection life is more than a simple transaction between you and God. It's not just a simple transaction. In fact, it's not transactional at all. We are no longer the same person we once were. We have been transformed literally from death to life. We are changed, completely changed. I liken it to the metamorphosis, I think I talked to you about it once before, of a butterfly, a caterpillar to a butterfly. The caterpillar lives a while, and then the caterpillar goes into a cocoon, and is in that cocoon, and comes out completely changed. It is now a butterfly. Has the same DNA, but it's a butterfly. It's changed. Completely changed. Metamorphosis. That is what's happening with us when we transform from death to life. We are transformed into a completely new creation that is designed and created by God and given to you and me as a gift. And God already knows our new name, doesn't he? See, with that life, he gives us a new name as well. We no longer think and act the same way. The things that we thought were okay before, and hey, there's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with it at all. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just doing what I want to do. That's not the way we think anymore, though, is it? Let us take a minute and go to Colossians chapter 3 and starting in verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated 
at the right hand of God. God does not any longer want us to have to worry and the cares of this world on our mind. He wants us to have our minds and our hearts on the things above. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ dwells in each one of us who are a believer. Do you understand now in the temple or in the days when when uh, the Israelites wanted to build a temple for God? And God said to them, what can you do on this earth to make a temple for me? For the earth is my footstool. What was he saying there? Saying, I am so much bigger than a temple. Your mind of who you think I am is not opening up to the reality of who I am. And the reality of our salvation is we become the temple of God. See, God all along intended for there to be a temple built, but not a temple built by human hands. That temple was built by God. And every one of us here in this congregation are part of that temple. We are the temple. We're not dwelling inside the temple. We are God's temple. Amen. Can you wrap your head around that? It is amazing, the work of God and the transformation that He's done in our lives. So much so that we have God dwelling with us. The power of God dwells in us. And for us to say that we can't conquer and we can't overcome and we can't be in service to God and I can't accomplish this and I can't do that. Oh Lord, I can't do it. I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, in the name of Jesus Christ, we can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's not a license to say, you know what, I can just go do whatever I want to. But the things that we can do by the power of God are the things that are in alignment with the will and purpose of God in our lives. When we have the will and purpose of God for our life in focus, we can accomplish much in the body of Christ. We can accomplish much for God. Each one of us. Melissa played a role today, a very powerful role. She spoke the message of God to anybody in this congregation who does not know him. And if you walk away today and do not accept Christ and your life ends today and you're standing before God, you have no excuse. The message of God was shared with you today by someone who is willing to participate in the work of God. You know, on our own, we can't accomplish anything. We can't. We can't do it on our own, can we? It takes the power of God. It takes the purpose of God in our lives. And it takes our willingness to say, okay, God, I am saved, I know. And I know you have a purpose for me in my life. So I'm going to step out and trust that you are going to open my eyes to where you want me to go and the path that you want me to take. If I am going down a path, God, that you don't want me to take, put a roadblock there. 
Close the door so it can't be opened, so I can't enter into a gate that you don't want me to enter into. For wide is the path of destruction. Wide is the path of destruction. And many go down that path of destruction. And you know why? It's the easy way. It's easy to sit back in the recliner and say, I don't want to. It's easy to close your mind to the things of God because you're afraid he's going to require something from you. It's easy to do that. But what really, what really is the power of God is when you let him work in your life and you say, God, I'm not sure about this, but I trust you. I depend on you. And I'm stepping out on faith, God, that you have my back. God tells us to put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because, these, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Everything that I just read there, before we were Christian, did we love to do it? Sexual immorality? Was that okay with anybody? Was it? Was it pleasurable? 